This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Tuesday, December 20th. The weather forecast for today, cloudy, chance of some flurries this morning. The high today is plus one degree. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, the Von Condo shooter had a history of conflict. Number two, Sick Kids is battling a cybersecurity attack. Number three, the new Toronto police chief says he will meet with the city's gay community. Number four, get ready for a life without plastic starting today. And number five, a winter storm could hinder Christmas travel. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. How are you doing so far? It's more than feeling a lot like Christmas right now. I mean, look at this. We're five days away. It's December 20th. I've been listening to the Christmas satellite music channel this week and appreciating that Christmas really is a lousy excuse for some terrible music. And there's this tiny clutch of instruments that everybody breaks out at Christmas time that they never use again, like the Celeste and the chimes. And there's not a lot of glockenspiel in music outside of the wall of sound. Uh, but there's all kinds of glockenspiel when it comes to Christmas time, and then there's the hoary lyrics and the uh, the sad sack artists. So you're not particularly festive, is what you're trying to tell everybody right <laughs> no, now. No, no, there's a lot of stuff I really like actually, but I have to say it's probably like every fifth tune. I think, what the hell is this? You're getting close enough now; it's respectable enough. You can put a little Bailey's in your coffee and really enjoy the season. <laughs> you know, I'm not this mu- that much of a piss tank. I, I, I've been turned over the years, Robert Turner, into a bit of a Dean Martin character because apparently it was all fake. Dean Martin was almost never drunk, and yet he would walk out on stage with a glass of something, and everybody would say, "There goes Dean Martin again." Um, listen, there's a lot of very serious things to talk about today. Uh, including learning more and more about the alleged gunman in this condo. I don't know that we necessarily have to lawyer ourselves all that carefully. Uh, he's dead. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think necessarily that any of his survivors or his estate are going to sue us if we don't say allegedly a hundred times. We will, nonetheless. But, I mean... You know, one of the reflections I had in following this story along yesterday, and we got a lot of early details early in the morning on our show. We were lucky. When I got up, I thought, this is the kind of story Joe Warmington works at the Toronto Sun. So I just immediately, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I sent him an email, and I said, are you up? Are you working it? And he said, yes. And he was, to my mind, the first person to report on the fact that this was a guy who lived in the condo, was in his 70s, had a history of conflict in this condo tower, and that ultimately, and and then we discovered later on in the day, he was supposed to appear in a court yesterday, and I didn't even know this was, was possible in condo law, but they were trying to force him out. They were trying to compel him to sell his condo and leave because he was such um, a troublesome case within the building. But like I said, the the abiding thought I had yesterday through the day was, how do you know when something goes from this is a really angry, difficult neighbor to this is a person who could potentially kill people? And something I've noticed in so many stories over the years where something terrible happens, you know, whether it's a car careening out of control at a difficult corner and going into the side of a building or whether it's something like this, people always say, well, I saw it coming. 
And I think, okay, well, if you saw it coming, then why didn't you do something about it? But what would you do if you lived in a collective setting? It could be a condo, it could be an apartment complex. And you had a very, very unstable neighbor. But would you be the first person to, for example, go to the cops and say, I, I think this guy's potentially trouble? From the past few days, the man was just, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was out of his mind and he was just really, really pale. He swore to me, called me stuff like that. I got scared of him. So whenever I saw him, I would evade him. I was one of those people that didn't know how to enter Mr. Bailey because I wasn't trained. And the reason I left is because I didn't feel safe in that building. I've had him in my apartment several times. He was not a monster. I think he was just someone that was failed by the system. And one of the voices you heard in there actually was somebody who worked in 2018 for, I think, four months, actually worked for the condo and said that he so frightened her that she left. But again, I come back to, I, I have to think so many people would just say, okay, somebody else can wear this or somebody else can bear the burden of, of you know, reporting this guy somewhere. I'm sure somebody will. And then you just keep going about your ways. But the uh, man's name is Francesco Villi, 73 years old. It dates back years. He had this conviction that there was an electrical vault below his condo and that he was suffering from electromagnetic waves. Now, that makes it pretty clear that this man suffered some sort of delusional uh, perception of the world around him. Um, won't dwell on it too much, but the unfortunate thing these days is when you get an idea like that, you go online and there's a hundred websites to tell you that it's entirely reasonable. I remember a few years ago on our show, and this was back, I think, when we were doing the afternoon show, uh, but we had, there's a scientist at one of the Ontario universities who insists that all of this stuff is true. And I thought, how did you get tenure? Um, but this guy suffered from these delusions, uh, complained routinely, threatened people in the condo. And as mentioned, by yesterday, he was supposed to be making a, an appearance in a courtroom where he might have been ordered to sell his condo and move somewhere else. And in all of this, you have the victims who remain unidentified. But there are five dead people. There is one person in the hospital. And uh, police, uh, you know, you also have to think, even though it's your job to arrive on a scene and engage somebody who is killing people and, dis you know, disable that. Um, but I can't imagine what it's like to be a police officer who fatally shoots somebody, even if that was a completely justified thing to do. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, if everything here plays out the way that it seems it has, oh, yeah. police did absolutely the right thing. You show up, someone's shooting people, you shoot and kill them. That doesn't take away the burden from you that you were the person that had to end someone's life. Yeah, and, you know, um, it was interesting yesterday morning on our show, Joe Warmington was saying, well, nobody else is going to say it, but I'm going to say this was great police work and this was a justified um, kill. Uh, but actually the mayor said so. I think it was, no, it was the chief of police said so in on, on no uncertain terms. Um, throw in number 20. This is uh, York Region Police Chief Jim McSween uh, saying, identifying the shooter and then saying the police officers saved lives. 
As you're aware, officers arrived to find a horrific scene, with five deceased victims having been shot and killed in three separate units. As you're aware, there was an interaction between the officers and a 73-year-old male suspect, a resident of that building, who died on the third floor. He's been identified as Francesco Villi. The officer in that interaction is a 24-year veteran of York Regional Police, and he very likely saved lives by his actions last night. This is now the focus of an investigation by the Special Investigations Unit, and we can't speak in any more details to that. Okay, but usually we don't even get that many details. I think the pressure of people saying it takes the SIU too long and to tell us every anything is pushed everybody a little bit to give us a little more information. I wonder if maybe. Time now to say good morning to John Moore, News Talk Radio 1010. See what's on his mind today. Good morning, John. Good morning, George. Nice to be here. Thanks for being here. Uh, so the, the steady drip drip of details are emerging about this alleged Vaughn condo killer and the victims. What a disturbing situation. We have learned the identity of the alleged shooter, 73-year-old Francesco Villi, and a lot of people in that condo tower saying that he had been a difficult presence in the building for a good five years. He was convinced, and this is delusional thinking, obviously, that he was being subjected to electromagnetic waves coming from a vault that was underneath his condo. And he was actually scheduled to appear in court yesterday where the condo society was going to try to compel him to sell his condo and get out. But that was too late. The shooting took place Sunday night. Five people, as we know, were killed. Yeah, we'll continue to chase that story today. Uh, so, happy holidays. Eh? Everybody wants a white Christmas, but I don't know if they wanted it to be <laughs> stormy, too. I'll just mention this in passing because Bill's going to be the authority. I'm hoping he's going to appear on our show actually this morning to talk about this. Uh, but we are looking at the possibility of a winter storm and the timeline seems to be starting Thursday night and then moving as long as into Saturday. So I'm one of the people who really wants to know more about this because we're scheduled to get into the car early Saturday morning to travel mm -hmm. toward Montreal. And you know, the important thing, I think, is mapping out the probabilities here of whether or not the storm is going to be a complicating factor, because I would hate for people to start rearranging their plans for Christmas, and then the whole thing doesn't pan out. Right. So, like I said, it's all on Bill Coulter's it shoulders is. here. Well, he's the man, the meteorologist, the legend. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all about the timing, the totals, what kind of precipitation. Bill's got his own trip up north, so uh, we will lean heavily on him today. Uh, so the better way may need a security upgrade. Yeah, the union that represents a group of workers uh, at the TTC is saying that they're angry but that they were left out of a meeting with the head of the TTC, Toronto Mayor John Tory, Toronto Police Service. There has been a spate over the last six months of violent incidents, one of them fatal. But then even yesterday, just a block away from where I live at the St. Clair Station, there was an incident which only hammered home, I think, that there's something not fundamentally perhaps, but there's something amiss at the TTC. On our show yesterday, George, we were talking with another union head who was saying that the real problem here is that the TTC is becoming a branch of the shelter service for Toronto mm. homeless. Yeah. And something has got to be done about allowing people to come and go at will in stations, many of them with mental health issues. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Uh, so phase one of this country's single-use plastics ban is kicked in now. 
How will we ever get by without plastic checkout <laughs> bags, plastic cutlery, takeout containers, stir sticks, and especially straws? But yeah, that kicks in today, George. A lot of very uh, important changes to how we live day to day. I know that a lot of people are somewhat distressed and many some are, are even angry about this. But, you know, we didn't have these plastics 50 years ago, so I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to figure it out. Yeah, good point. And finally, the results are in for the Rage Index. They are published, and some of them are personal, some are political, etc. Yeah. Who knew there was something called the Rage Index, but apparently <laughs> they do this monitoring on a month-by-month -month basis. This is done by the Polara Company. 86% of respondents, and this is done across Canada, uh, were annoyed or angry about inflation. 60% uh, have a negative feeling about the economy, but you're right, it also gets personal because when you get to Premier Doug Ford, there's a bit of a rage index there. 62% of Ontarians are angry about the Greenbelt issue and unhappy with the Premier. I think you just decode and rearrange the, the letters in rage index. They spell Twitter, right? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> there you go. Pretty much. Hey, John, thanks very much. Have yourself a great day and a great show. Talk soon. Thanks, our friend George Zagrojanis over at CP24. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Look at that, we're slow marching our way through the last week before Christmas. I think most people are feeling pretty positive about that. Robert Turner, everybody ready in your household? Oh, not even a little bit, no. We're, no? Getting, we're getting close, but yeah, I still got some stuff to do. Okay. I'm mostly ready. I think I shot past the point of one thing I wanted to buy online yesterday and not being able to get it delivered in time. But I think we're going to be okay. And I'm looking forward to, I'm not giving anything away here because they're not listening. I got assigned my th sister's three grandchildren because we only do one present each. And I got all, all three of them. So there's a toy store in my neighborhood that's kind of cool because it's got a bit of a sort of science and learning angle. But then uh, it's got, uh, no, no. Get them something fun. No, no, no. Then it's got all the other crap. Last year, it was one of those. And... I still remember what I liked as a kid playing with. And so I, I try to put myself in that frame of mind. And last year's present was for a four-year-old, and it was one of those um, play systems with suction cups that you put on the side of the bathtub, and it's got water wheels and all – I mean, that's what kids like. No, I'm not going to get them Well, some it depends sort of, on how old. Are they 12? Because that would be a bit, you know <laughs> – <laughs> that would be a little kinky. Yeah, it would be a little wrong. No, I mean, one of them's eight months old, so I don't really know what I'm going to do. Just give them the box. Something else came exactly. in. They'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Or baby loves his rattle. Uh, do babies still have rattles? I, there's probably a safety issue. I don't I don't remember. I blocked out much of my kids' early childhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm going I'm to have a ball absolutely doing that. And that's pretty well the last stuff, And aside from rapping. And uh, didn't do any... Uh, greeting cards this year, but I don't feel all that guilty about it. When all of your greeting cards are from insurance representatives, real estate agents, and the charities you support, then and that's it. Then I guess greeting cards in many ways have gone out of style. Didn't you get one from Doug Ford? Didn't I see you pull did. one of those out of your mailbox? I haven't opened it yet, but I'm very excited. I don't know that Doug Ford knows that I got a greeting card from Doug Ford, mind you. I don't think Doug Ford has heat with you. I don't think we have heat. There's just no love. Well, there's that. Yes. 
And we don't have to get into that. Let's talk about the news. Uh, the time is 539 on this Tuesday morning. It's minus one degree with a wind chill feeling like minus four. What are you gambling on for the weather on the weekend? Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking ahead at this, and we've got plans Friday night. And I'm like, I don't want to start moving stuff, but it sounds like it could be bad, but we well, don't know yet. we got to hit that, and that's the thing. And so, I don't know, Joe Cristiano, let me know if uh, we're zeroing in on getting Bill Coulter on the show, because he's pretty good at this. Um, you know, it's not 100%. Bill Coulter was telling us about that storm we had last week that turned into a bit of a wet firecracker. And that was, as we observed the morning of, you know, the temperature was already one degree by seven o'clock in the morning. And I thought, maybe this is mostly going to be rain. And it was slippery and messy and for pedestrians, deadly. Uh, well, not necessarily deadly, just, you know, broken hip territory. And yet it didn't turn into the 10 to 15 uh, centimeters of snow we had been expecting. But yeah, Robert, I'm, this is why I'm being very cautious in all of this. And it's only Tuesday because we're supposed to hit the road probably at about 8.39 o'clock on Saturday morning, and that's to go to Montreal, which is just it's a miserable drive under any conditions. So, yeah, I, I would love to have some precision and um, confidence that we're going to be able to make that trip and uh, get there in time for cocktail hour. There you go. Which starts early at Christmas. Yeah, no, not in a French-Canadian household. Yeah, I mean, my sister-in-law is very good now in always stocking up on some really nice single malt scotch, but that's a recent development. <laughs> So learning more about this uh, alleged shooter in Vaughn and just what a horribly dis disturbing situation to imagine. And being on a condo society is a thankless job and it's a miserable, I mean, condo societies are miserable. I always said everything I hate about Canadian federalism, I learned from my condo society because you have this situation where you're all collective owners but you really don't give a rat's patootie for anything in the condo tower, aside from the person who uses the garbage chute at two o'clock in the morning or slams their door too much or plays the music or rents it out on Airbnb. There are all kinds of things that can make your life absolutely miserable. And in order to address them, you have to meet with other residents who are mostly serving reluctantly on the condo society because it's a legal requirement. And so in this case, what do you do when you have a guy who is clearly suffering from not only mental health issues, but seemingly delusional, you know, uh, you know, this idea that there was a vault that was giving him electromagnetic waves in his condo. And then you get to the point where some residents were insisting he was hostile and uh, engaging in disturbing behavior in the days re leading up to the shooting. And then Sunday night, he's going up and down the corridors of this condo building with a semi-automatic pistol, firing into people's condos, ultimately killing five people and injuring a six before police took him out. Yesterday on the uh, Vashi Cabello's show, Mayor Stephen Del Duca of Vaughn was on and said the obvious. It was a horrible tragedy. My heart goes out to the victims, uh, their families, uh, to people who knew them. Uh, it's just unspeakable to imagine that this has taken place here in our community. And I know that York Region Police will continue to do their investigation and uh, we will, I'm sure they will continue to have updates for the public. But I wanted to be here on behalf of council and on behalf of our city uh, to offer condolences and to show support. 
And I was actually the mayor standing outside of the building. He was on with Vash. You will hear some, some of that interview a little later on this morning. If there is a through line to some of the things we're talking about this morning and we've been talking about over the last few weeks, it would be questions about people with mental health issues, the, the, how they can impact on public safety and what we can do about it. And perhaps more importantly, what we can do preventatively about it. And I don't know what we can do. We came up with an idea several decades ago that people have to be allowed autonomy over their lives, even if they may be a public threat. And I was mentioning yesterday, it's almost a daily occurrence in the short distance that I travel between the garage that I park in and the studios where we are now, that I'll come across people and, and actually, it's not only on my way in, it's on my way home. And I'll cross the street because they worry me. I will go to an alternative entrance or exit in the garage in order to avoid coming across these people. I came across yesterday one guy who seemed to be in the process of setting a fire in the parking lot where I park. And there were two police officers. And, and they were just starting to engage him as I was leaving the scene. And I just thought, this is all too routine. All the police officers listening right now know, you know, you got into the business because you thought this was going to be about law enforcement and, and this was going to be about, um, you know, solving bank robberies and stuff like that. And I would imagine, and any police officer listening right now, you can send us a text, but I'd imagine about 30 to 50% of your encounters on a daily basis are with people who are intoxicated or people who are in a, some sort of a mental episode that you know most of them because they're all part of your beat and you've probably taken some of them to the hospital or to a facility, you know, a dozen times. And I don't know what the fix is for this, but I think... The time has come for some very, very serious questions. And we'll continue this discussion because, like I said, there's a bit of a through line. I'm pretty sure we can say that the woman who attacked people with a bottle yesterday at St. Clair Subway Station was probably having some sort of a mental episode. And the unions that represent TTC workers have had enough. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Just hours after we had this conversation on the show yesterday morning with one of the union reps for the TTC, uh, who was expressing concern about violence in our transit system, I'm working from home yesterday after the show, and there's this helicopter hovering overhead, and finally I thought, well, what's going on here? And then I went into the guts of our news system, and Adjua and Sia Yabois was already um, sharing with everybody on the team that a woman had been arrested at St. Clair subway station after attacking several people. Uh, this 31-year-old woman facing five charges, including assault, assault causing bodily harm, five counts of assault with a weapon, five counts of weapons dangerous and breach of probation. There was a pretty grim scene. In all, there were six victims. Everybody's going to be okay, but there was blood on the floor of one of the subways, so it was a pretty ugly affair. And so you have to sympathize. It's not just the usual. I mean, it's, it's quite common for unions, especially as we approach a round of negotiations, to start complaining about their working conditions and in some cases saying, well, we face a lot of violence or we're always being spat out or whatever. But when you go through the shopping list of things that have happened 
on TTC vehicles and in TTC stations in the last year or so, it's alarming. And I was saying on the show yesterday that, I mean, there is a baseline of criminality and public disorder that is going to happen in any big city. And as Toronto continues to rise in population on a fairly rapid basis, then we're going to have more of these incidents. But, you know, a woman being fatally stabbed, somebody being pushed onto the tracks, stuff like that, it's, it's not even normal in New York City. And New York City is like 8 million people, metropolitan population. Well, and we have a problem with people not getting on back on transit sure. after the pandemic. This is playing a role in that. And it's a complicated conversation to have because we know the statistics. The statistics are people who are suffering from mental illness are way more likely to be the victims of crime than perpetrators. But all of these high-profile cases are painting a real picture. And if you're a TTC worker dealing with difficult people all the time, yeah. and that has been a result of the fact that the system was empty. And you, know, you had the transit guy on yesterday, the union guy on yesterday, saying that it's become part of – uh, an extension of the shelter system, and I think that's how a lot of people are viewing it. Well, this is Marvin Alfred, because we actually have audio from yesterday's interview. I remember I sent, as soon as I saw Adjua's message, I wrote back to everybody and said, okay, well now, all the clips from this morning's interview are that much more important. Well, we have a better deterrent system, put the resources necessary and move people along in the system that are not actively using transit for the sake of using transit. If somebody's there squatting and occupying a transit hub just to live there, that needs to be addressed. I, I know that there's a situation where people may not have the resources available, but again, the TTC should not be part of the safety net network of people that have issues with housing. We want the people to get the resources they need, but it shouldn't be in transit. I think with the system right now, I think it was a matter of uh, trying to help people by giving temporary relief from whatever they may or may not have needed. But we're going into winter now, and this problem is going to get worse. People that need housing need to get housing. That's the responsibility of different levels of government. But again, the TTC should not be part of the shelter system. New this morning, the union representing special constables, fair inspectors, and security personnel are upset because apparently a meeting was called between several union reps, John Tory, Toronto Police Service, and the CEO of the TTC, Rick Leary. And these folks were not represented at that meeting. And they're calling for something to be done. I'd imagine part of that would be hiring more constables. And I get it. Unions are always going to call for you know, more people who they represent to be hired. But we have a situation, I think, over the last year. This will certainly come up, and he's probably listening right now, in our year-end interview with John Tory. But it's – imagine for a second what Robert Turner was just saying there, which is how TTC workers are worried for their safety. Now, I'm second-guessing after what happened yesterday. How frequently do I want to be at the St. Clair station? And I'm just a passenger. You know, I'm just passing through. I'll, I'll leave and I'll come back and I'll be there in total for about five minutes. But you work in a TDC station, which, as our previous guest had just said, is increasingly becoming a quasi-homeless shelter. And you're going to start thinking, this is not the workplace that I want to be in. Well, and for you, as a user, you have options. You have a car. Yep, I can so walk. so you can decide. And I think what's happening now, too, is you have a lot of people who are only back at the office two or three days a week 
for whom before the pandemic, well, no, I got to do transit because it's cheaper. And now if they have options, if it's only if I only have to pay for parking a couple of days a week and I don't have to deal with all of that chaos, whether it's at real or just perceived, people are not going to get back on transit and the transit system can't survive. No, and as hellish as it is to drive in the city's core, you're in a car with your own climate control. It's quiet. You don't have to interact with strangers. Nobody's going to push you anywhere. And you can listen to News Talk 1010 all day long. And nobody's going to throw a bottle at me unless the kids really get out of control in the backseat. Yeah, well, don't make me pull this thing over. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.